Section two of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume one. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part two, of the number of costermongers and other street folk. The number of costermongers, that is, it is to say, of those street sellers attending the London Green and Fish markets appears to be from the best data at my command now thirty thousand men women and children the census of eighteen forty one gives only two thousand and forty five hawkers hucksters and peddlers in the metropolis and no costermongers or street sellers or street performers at all this number is absurdly small and its absurdity is accounted for by the fact that not one in twenty of the costermongers or of the people with whom they lodged troubled themselves to fill up the census returns the majority of them being unable to read and write and others distrustful of the purpose for which the returns were wanted the costermongering class extends itself yearly and it is computed that for the last five years it has increased considerably faster than the general metropolitan population this increase is derived partly from all the children of costermongers following the father's trade but chiefly from working men such as the servants of greengrocers or of innkeepers when out of employ taking to a coster's barrow for a livelihood and the same being done by mechanics and labourers out of work at the time of the famine in ireland it is calculated that the number of irish obtaining a living in the london streets must have been at least doubled the great discrepancy between the government returns and the accounts of the costermongers themselves concerning the number of people obtaining a living by the sale of fish fruit and vegetables in the streets of london caused me to institute an inquiry at the several metropolitan markets concerning the number of street sellers attending them the following is the result during the summer months and fruit season the average number of costermongers attending covent garden market is about two thousand five hundred per market day in the strawberry season there are nearly double as many there being at that time a large number of jews who come to buy during that period on a saturday morning from the commencement to the close of the market as many as four thousand costers have been reckoned purchasing at covent garden through the winter season however the number of costermongers does not exceed upon the average one thousand per market morning about one-tenth of the fruit and vegetables of the least expensive kind sold at this market is purchased by the costers some of the better class of costers who have their regular customers are very particular as to the quality of the articles they buy but others are not so particular so long as they can get things cheap i am informed they do not care much about the quality the irish more especially look out for damaged articles which they buy at a low price one of my informants told me that the costers were the best customers to the growers inasmuch as when the market is flagging on account of the weather they the costers wait and make their purchases on other occasions such as fine mornings the costers purchase as early as others there is no trust given to them to use the words of one of my informants they are such slippery customers here to-day and gone to-morrow at leadenhall market during the winter months 
there are from seventy to one hundred costermongers general attendants but during the summer not much more than one half that number make their appearance their purchases consist of warren rabbits poultry and game of which about one-eighth of the whole amount brought to this market is bought by them when the market is slack and during the summer when there is no great call for game etc the costers attending leadenhall market turn their hands to crockery fruit and fish the costermongers frequenting spitalfields market average all the year through from seven hundred to one thousand each market day they come from all parts as far as edmonton edgware and tottenham highgate hampstead and even from greenwich and lewisham full one-third of the produce of this market is purchased by them the number of costermongers attending the borough market is about two hundred and fifty during the fruit season after which they decrease to about two hundred per market morning about one-sixth of the produce that comes into this market is purchased by the costermongers one gentleman informed me that the salesmen might shut up their shops were it not for these men in fact said another i don't know what would become of the fruit without them the costers at billingsgate market daily number from three thousand to four thousand in winter and about two thousand five hundred in summer a leading salesman told me that he would rather have an order from a costermonger than a fishmonger for the one paid ready money while the other required credit the same gentleman assured me that the costermongers brought excellent fish and that very largely they themselves aver that they purchase half the fish brought to billingsgate some fish trades being entirely in their hands i ascertained however from the authorities at billingsgate and from experienced salesmen that of the quantity of fish conveyed to that great mart the costermongers brought one-third another third was sent into the country and another disposed of to the fishmongers and to such hotel-keepers or other large purchasers as resorted to billingsgate the salesmen at the several markets all agreed in stating that no trust was given to the costermongers trust them exclaimed one oh certainly as far as i can see them now adding the above figures together we have the subjoined sum for the gross number of costermongers attending the london markets Blingsgate, 3,500, Covent Garden, 4,000, Spitalfields, 1,000, Borough, 250, Leadenhall, 100, total 8,850. Besides these, I am credibly informed that it may be assumed that there are full 1,000 men who are unable to attend market owing to the dissipation of the previous night another one thousand are absent owing to their having stock on hand and so requiring no fresh purchases and further it may be estimated that there are at least two thousand boys in london at work for costers at half profits and who consequently have no occasion to visit the markets hence putting these numbers together we arrive at the conclusion that there are in london upwards of thirteen thousand street sellers dealing in fish fruit vegetables game and poultry alone to be on the safe side however let us assume the number of london costermongers to be twelve thousand and that one half of these are married and have two children which from all accounts appears to be about the proportion and then we have thirty thousand for the sum total of men women and children dependent on costermongering for their subsistence 
large as this number may seem still i am satisfied it is rather within than beyond the truth in order to convince myself of its accuracy i caused it to be checked in several ways in the first place a survey was made as to the number of stalls in the streets of london forty-six miles of the principal thoroughfares were travelled over and an account taken of the standings thus it was found that there were upon an average upwards of fourteen stalls to the mile of which five-sixths were fish and fruit stalls now according to the metropolitan police returns there are two thousand miles of street throughout london and calculating that the stalls through the whole of the metropolis run upon an average only four to the mile we shall thus find that there are eight thousand stalls altogether in london of these we may reckon that at least six thousand are fish and fruit stalls i am informed on the best authority that twice as many costers go rounds as have standings hence we come to the conclusion that there are eighteen thousand itinerant and stationary street sellers and reckoning the same proportion of wives and children as before we have thus forty-five thousand men women and children obtaining a living in this manner further to make assurance doubly sure the street markets throughout london were severally visited and the number of street sellers at each taken down on the spot these gave a grand total of three thousand eight hundred and one of which number two-thirds were dealers in fish fruit and vegetables and reckoning that twice as many costers again were on their rounds we thus make the total number of london costermongers to be eleven thousand four hundred and three or calculating men women and children twenty eight thousand five hundred and six it would appear therefore that if we estimate the gross number of individuals subsisting on the sale of fish fruit and vegetables in the streets of london at between twenty five and thirty thousand we shall not be very wide of the truth but great as is this number still the costermongers are only a portion of the street folk besides these there are as we have seen many other large classes obtaining their livelihood in the streets the street musicians for instance are said to number one thousand and the old clothesmen the same there are supposed to be at the least five hundred sellers of watercresses two hundred coffee stalls three hundred catsmeat men two hundred and fifty ballad singers two hundred playbill sellers from eight hundred to one thousand bone grubbers and mudlark one thousand crossing sweepers another thousand chimney sweeps and the same number of turncocks and lamplighters all of whom together with the street performers and showmen tinkers chair umbrella and clock menders sellers of bonnet boxes toys stationery songs last dying speeches tubs pails mats crockery blacking lucifers corn salves clothes pegs brooms sweetmeats razors dog collars dogs birds coals sand scavengers dustmen and others make up it may be fairly assumed full thirty thousand adults so that reckoning men women and children we may truly say that there are upwards of fifty thousand individuals or about a fortieth part of the entire population of the metropolis getting their living in the streets now of all modes of obtaining subsistence that of street selling is the most precarious continued wet weather deprives those who depend for their bread upon the number of people frequenting the public thoroughfares of all means of living 
and it is painful to think of the hundreds belonging to this class in the metropolis who are reduced to starvation by three or four days successive rain moreover in the winter the street sellers of fruit and vegetables are cut off from the ordinary means of gaining their livelihood and consequently they have to suffer the greatest privations at a time when the severity of the season demands the greatest amount of physical comforts to expect that the increased earnings of the summer should be put aside as a provision against the deficiencies of the winter is to expect that a precarious occupation should beget provident habits which is against the nature of things for it is always in those callings which are the most uncertain that the greatest amount of improvidence and intemperance are found to exist it is not the well-fed man be it observed but the starving one that is in danger of surfeiting himself moreover when the religious moral and intellectual degradation of the great majority of these fifty thousand people is impressed upon us it becomes positively appalling to contemplate the vast amount of vice ignorance and want existing in these days in the very heart of our land the public have but to read the following plain unvarnished account of the habits amusements dealings education politics and religion of the london costermongers in the nineteenth century and then to say whether they think it safe even if it be thought fit to allow men women and children to continue in such a state of the varieties of street folk in general and costermongers in particular among the street folk there are many distinct characters of people people differing as widely from each in tastes habits thoughts and creed as one nation from another of these the costermongers form by far the largest and certainly the mostly broadly marked class they appear to be a distinct race perhaps originally of irish extraction seldom associating with any other of the street folks and being all known to each other the patterers or the men who cry the last dying speeches and so on in the street and those who help off their wares by long harangues in the public thoroughfares are again a separate class these to use their own term are the aristocracy of the street sellers despising the costers for their ignorance and boasting that they live by their intellect the public they say do not expect to receive from them an equivalent for their money they pay to hear them talk compared with the costermongers the patterers are generally an educated class and among them are some classical scholars one clergyman and many sons of gentlemen they appear to be the counterparts of the old mountebanks or street doctors as a body they seem far less improvable than the costers being more knowing and less impulsive the street performers differ again from those these appear to possess many of the characteristics of the lower class of actors namely a strong desire to excite admiration an indisposition to pursue any settled occupation a love of the tap-room although more for the society and display than for the drink connected with it a great fondness for finery and predilection for the performance of dexterous or dangerous feats then there are the street mechanics or artisans quiet melancholy struggling men 
who, unable to find any regular employment at their own trade, have made up a few things and taken to hawk them in the streets, as the last shift of independence. Another distinct class of street folk are the blind people, mostly musicians in a rude way, who, after the loss of their eyesight, have sought to keep themselves from the workhouse by some little excuse for alms-seeking. These, so far as my experience goes, appear to be a far more deserving class than is usually supposed. Their affliction, in most cases, seems to have chastened them, and to have given a peculiar religious cast to their thoughts. Such are the several varieties of street folk, intellectually considered. Looked at in a national point of view, they likewise include many distinct people. Among them are to be found the Irish fruit-sellers, the Jew clothesmen, the Italian organ-boys, French singing women, the German brass bands, the Dutch buyer-broom-girls, the Highland bagpipe-players, and the Indian crossing-sweepers, all of whom I shall treat of in due order. The costermongering class or order has also its many varieties. These appear to be in the following proportions. One half of the entire class are costermongers proper, that is to say, the calling with them is hereditary, and perhaps has been so for many generations, while the other half is composed of three-eighths Irish and one-eighth mechanics, tradesmen, and Jews. Under the term costermonger is here included only such street-sellers as deal in fish, fruit, and vegetables, purchasing their goods at the wholesale green and fish markets. Of these, some carry on their business at the same stationary stall, or standing, in the street, while others go on rounds. The itinerant costermongers, as contradistinguished from the stationary street fishmongers and greengrocers, have in many instances regular rounds, which they go daily, and which extend from two to ten miles. The longest are those which embrace a suburban part, the shortest are through streets thickly peopled by the poor, where duly to work a single street consumes in some instances an hour. There are also chance rounds. Men working these carry their wares to any part in which they hope to find customers. The costermongers, moreover, diversify their labours by occasionally going on a country round, travelling on these excursions in all directions, from thirty to ninety and even a hundred miles from the metropolis. Some, again, confine their callings chiefly to the neighbouring races and fairs. Of all the characteristics attending these diversities of traders, I shall treat severally. I may here premise that the regular or thoroughbred costermongers repudiate the numerous persons who sell only nuts or oranges in the streets, whether at a fixed stall or any given locality, or who hawk them through the thoroughfares or parks. They repudiate also a number of Jews who confine their street trading to the sale of coca-nuts on Sundays vended from large barrows. Nor do they rank with themselves the individuals who sell tea and coffee in the streets, or such condiments as peas soup, sweetmeats, spice-cakes, and the like, those articles not being purchased at the markets. I often heard all such classes called the illegitimates. 
of costermongering mechanics from the number of mechanics said one smart costermonger to me that i know of in my own district i should say that there's now more than one thousand costers in london that were once mechanics or labourers they are driven to it as a last resource when they can't get work at their trade they don't do well at least four out of five or three out of four don't they're not up to the dodges of the business they go to market with fear and don't know how to venture a bargain if one offers they're inferior salesmen too and if they have fish left that won't keep it's a dead loss to them for they aren't up to the trick of selling it cheap at a distance where the coster ain't known or of quitting it to another for candlelight sale cheap to the irish or to the lushingtons that haven't a proper taste for fish some of these poor fellows lose every penny they're mostly middle-aged when they begin costering they'll generally commence with oranges or herrings we pity them we say poor fellows they'll find it out by and by it's awful to see some poor women too trying to pick up a living in the streets by selling nuts or oranges it's awful to see them for they can't set about it right besides that there's too many before they start they don't find a living it's only another way of starving ancient calling of costermongers the earliest record of london cries is according to mr charles knight in lydgate's poem of london like penny which is as old as the days of henry v or about four hundred and thirty years back among lydgate's cries are enumerated strawberries ripe and cherries in the rise the rise being a twig to which the cherries were tied as at present Lydgate, however, only indicates costermongers, but does not mention them by name. It is not my intention, as my inquiries are directed to the present condition of the costermongers, to dwell on this part of the question, but some historical notice of so numerous a body is indispensable. I shall confine myself, therefore, to show from the elder dramatists how the costermongers flourished in the days of Elizabeth and James I. Virtue says Shakespeare, is of so little regard in these costermonger times that true valour is turned bare-herd. Costermonger times are as old as any trading times of which our history tells. Indeed, the stationary costermonger of our own day is a legitimate descendant of the tradesmen of the olden time, who stood by the shops with their open casements, loudly inviting buyers by praises of their wares, and by direct questions of what do you buy? What do you lack? Ben Jonson makes his morose, who hated all noises and sought for a silent wife, enter upon diverse treatise with the fishwives and orange women to moderate their clamour, but morose, above all other noisy people, cannot endure a costard monger. He swoons if he hear one. In Ford's Son's Darling, I find the following upon my life he means to turn costermonger and is projecting how to forestall the market i shall cry pippins rarely in beaumont and fletcher's scornful lady is the following pray sister do not laugh you'll anger him and then he'll rail like a rude costermonger dr johnson gives the derivation of costard monger note the orthography he uses end note as derived from the sale of apples or costards round and bulky like the head and he cites burton as an authority many country vicars 
writes burton are driven to shifts and if our great patrons hold us to such conditions they will make us costardmongers graziers or sell ale the costardmonger says mr charles knight in his london was originally an apple-seller whence his name and from the mention of him in the old dramatists he appears to have been frequently an irishman in ireland the word costermonger is almost unknown of the obsolete cries of the costermongers a brief account of the cries once prevalent among the street-sellers will show somewhat significantly the change in the diet or regalements of those who purchase their food in the street some of the articles are not vended in the public thoroughfare now while others are still sold but in different forms hot sheep's feet for instance were cried in the streets in the time of henry v they are now sold cold at the doors of the lower-priced theatres and at the larger public houses among the street cries the following were common prior to the wars of the roses ribs of beef hot peas cod and pepper and saffron these certainly indicate a different street diet from that of the present time the following are more modern running from elizabeth's days down to our own pippins and in the time of charles the second and subsequently oranges were sometimes cried as orange pips fair lemons and oranges oranges and citrons new wall-fleet oysters note fresh fish was formerly cried as new End note. new river water note i may here mention that water carriers still ply their trade in parts of hampstead End note rosemary and lavender small coals note a cry rendered almost poetical by the character career and pitiful end through a practical joke of tom britton the small coal man End note. pretty pins pretty women lily white vinegar hot wardens note pears End note. hot codlings and lastly the greasy-looking beverage which charles lamb's experience of london at early morning satisfied him was of all preparations the most grateful to the stomach of the then existing climbing boys namely saloop i may state for the information of my younger readers that saloop note spelt also salep and salop end note, was prepared as a powder from the root of the orchis mascula or red-banded orchis a plant which grows luxuriantly in our meadows and pastures flowering in the spring though never cultivated to any extent in this country that required for the purpose of commerce was imported from india the saloop stalls were superseded by the modern coffee stalls there were many other cries now obsolete but what I have cited were the most common. Of the costermongers economically considered. Political economy teaches us that between the two great classes of producers and consumers stand the distributors, or dealers, saving time, trouble, and inconvenience to the one in disposing of and to the other in purchasing their commodities but the distributor was not always a part and parcel of the economical arrangements of the state 
In olden times the producer and consumer were brought into immediate contact at markets and fairs, holden at certain intervals. The inconvenience of this mode of operation, however, was soon felt, and the peddler, or wandering distributor, sprang up as a means of carrying the commodities to those who were unable to attend the public markets at the appointed time. Still, the peddler, or wandering distributor, was not without his disadvantages. He only came at certain periods, and commodities were occasionally required in the interim. Hence, the shopkeeper, or stationary distributor, was called into existence, so that the consumer might obtain any commodity of the producer at any time he pleased. Hence, we see that the peddler is the primitive tradesman, and that the one is contradistinguished from the other, by the fact that the peddler carries the goods to the consumer, whereas, in the case of the shopkeeper, the consumer goes after the goods. In country districts, remote from towns and villages, the peddler is not yet wholly superseded. But a dealer who has a fixed abode and fixed customers is so much more to be depended on, says Mr. Stuart Mill, that consumers prefer resorting to him if he is conveniently accessible and dealers, therefore, find their advantage in establishing themselves in every locality where there are sufficient customers near at hand to afford them a remuneration. Hence the peddler is now chiefly confined to the poorer districts, and is consequently distinguished from the stationary tradesman by the character and means of his customers, as well as by the amount of capital and extent of his dealings. The shopkeeper supplies principally the noblemen and gentry with the necessaries and luxuries of life, but the peddler or hawker is the purveyor in general to the poor. He brings the greengrocery, the fruit, the fish, the watercresses, the shrimps, the pies and puddings, the sweetmeats, the pineapples, the stationery, the linen drapery, and the jewellery, such as it is, to the very door of the working classes. Indeed, the poor man's food and clothing are mainly supplied to him in this manner. Hence, the class of travelling tradesmen are important, not only as forming a large portion of the poor themselves, but as being the persons through whom the working people obtain a considerable part of their provisions and raiment. But the itinerant tradesman or street-seller is still further distinguished from the regular fixed dealer, the stall-keeper from the shop-keeper, the street wareman from the warehouse man by the arts they respectively employ to attract custom the street seller cries his goods aloud at the head of the barrow the enterprising tradesman distributes bills at the door of his shop the one appeals to the ear the other to the eye the cutting costermonger has a drum and two boys to excite attention to his stock the spirited shopkeeper has a column of advertisements in the morning newspapers. They are but different means of attaining the same end. End of section 2